Well, hi there, microbiology people. This is Dr. B, and today we are going to talk about diseases, microbial diseases of the skin and eye that corresponds to chapter 21 of the OpenStax textbook. And all of these disease chapters, we are going to start talking briefly about the anatomy of the organ system we are looking at and touch on some of the defense mechanisms that exist. And then we are going to go through each group of microbial agents and we'll be doing particular emphasis on some of them. So let's get started with the skin. And the skin is an excellent, very strong barrier to pathogens. You may have seen the diagram about the structure of the skin, basically to major regions, the epidermis and the dermis. And the epidermis, which is the outermost layer, is formed by a stack of tightly packed cells. They're called keratinocytes. And these layers, again, they are very tightly packed, so it's, it's really difficult to, uh, to penetrate for, uh, for pathogens. But in addition, there is a protein called keratin, and this is a waterproofing protein that provides additional protection to the skin. In addition to that, the environment on the surface of the skin is pretty dry. And you may recall that uh, we talked about sweat being salty. So it's a dry and salty environment. There are some regions that are not as dry, but overall it's not a uh, very welcoming environment. Although we do have a resident microbiota, particularly gram-positive such as staphylococci on the skin. Regarding the eye, um, the um, mucous membrane covering the eye, it's called the conjunctiva, and particularly the area just in front of the pupil is called the cornea. And the most common eye infection is the infection of the conjunctiva, conjunctivitis, also called pink eye. And regarding the um, defenses of the eye, well, we have the whole lacrimal apparatus producing tears which are moving liquids. Remember how moving liquids uh, can prevent the adhesion of, of microbes to the tissue. And tears also contain a number of antimicrobial uh, substances and that includes lysozyme, the enzyme that breaks indeed peptidoglycan, so it breaks the bacterial cell wall as well as IgA, which is the subclass of antibody immunoglobulin that is present in uh, secretions. So again, there are a number of protection mechanisms in the eye. So let's move on to skin infections. So let's get started with the uh, microbial infectious infections of the skin. And if you go to your textbook, the OpenStax Microbiology book, there's a whole table about uh, containing medical names to the different types of skin lesions. And these skin lesions can be, you know, can be dry, can be wet, can contain pus, 
So, for example, you have crust and cysts and macules and ulcers and postures and vesicles and papules and wheels. So there is a whole set of naming the different types of skin lesions. Now, these skin lesions can be caused by the pathogen directly or can be also reactions of the skin and or the immune system to the presence of the pathogens. And they are used for the descriptors, but doesn't mean that there is, you know, one type of lesion that goes with one type of, uh, of pathogen. There can be, you know, multiple manifestations, multiple types of skin lesions caused by the same microbe. Starting with bacterial infections of the skin, um, we are going to see mostly or many gram-positives such as staphylococci and streptococci um, causing infections of the skin, particularly staphylococci are also part of the resident microbiota of the skin. And um, as we were saying, although the skin is an excellent barrier when it's unbroken, but once you have um, you know, a wound or a burn, etc., then there will be opportunistic pathogens that can penetrate and cause infections. So let's get started with Staphylococcus aureus. And I also recommend I have a short episode um, in which I compare Staphylococci and Streptococci. And Staphylococci are, as you know, gram-positive um, cocci in cluster, grape-like clusters as arrangement, and again, they are part of the uh, normal microbiota. That said, there is this uh, species, which is called the Staphylococcus aureus, and aureus, which is spelled A-U-R-E-U-S, and it comes from the word, word gold. It's called like that because the... Um, pus formed by Staphylococcus aureus tend to have this yellowish color. So S. aureus is actually present on our skin, but it can acquire a number of virulence factors and it can be quite nasty. And some of the virulence factors have to do with enzymes and others have to do with antibiotic resistance. So they can cause purulent skin infections. So that means purulent that they present pus. So folliculitis, furuncal carbuncle is very often a little infection that can, you know, become bigger and inflamed and red and so on. Then we have a um, kind of funky name for a um, condition. So it's called the scalded skin syndrome. So this is a condition that is often present in newborns and it's caused by toxins of, produced by staphylococci. And it's called like that, but because it's, it almost looked like, you know, the baby's skin had been burned. And another one caused also by staphylococci is the condition called impetigo. Now, one of the... Um, issues or the major issues related to Staphylococcus aureus is when it acquires resistance. And what we call MRSA, or some people would say MRSA, is when Staphylococcus aureus becomes methicillin resistant. So methicillin, as the name says, is a um, 
antibiotic that belongs to the um, beta-lactamase family, you know, cousin of penicillin. And MRSA can be of two kinds, community-acquired and hospital-acquired. And usually it entails, you know, closed, um, you know, body contact. So, you know, for community-acquired, you may think about, like, certain athletes and, you know, people who have wrestlers and so on. But it can, you know, just be part of an object, so be transmitted through an object close to the skin. Uh, in the healthcare setting, of course, it, it's part of nosocomial diseases, you know, in, in a hospital healthcare setting, you're just going to have a higher risk of acquired such infections. So they seem to be actually slightly different. If I recall correctly, the community acquired may be a bit more, um, not dangerous, but more aggressive compared to the healthcare one. So again, the uh, Staphylococcus aureus can acquire multiple virulence factors. We talked about the resistant one. We talked about toxins. Um, they also present hemolysins. These are the uh, toxins that can lyse, break red blood cells, and coagulates, which as the name indicate, it coagulates, it clumps the uh, fibrin or fibrinogen, which can kind of protect them from the immune system. And in order to isolate and, um, you know, characterize Staphylococcus aureus, it's uh, usually used um, a medium selective differential such as mannitol salt agar. It's going to grow because it's salt resistant. It's going to provide a yellow color because it's a mannitol fermenter. And then it will give a positive test on coagulase. So it's not the only one, but all those three tests together is a high indication for Staphylococcus aureus. Moving on to streptococci, as you know, we, we talked about how to classify streptococci. A lot of this has to do with their effect on red blood cells, hemolysis. So we have the um, alpha, beta, and gamma hemolysis, and beta hemolysis is the most um, drastic in the sense that it completely ruptures the red blood cells. And among beta-hemolytic um, streptococci, we have a group called GAS, G-A-S, which stands for Group A streptococci. And I would say that the most uh, infamous member of Group A streptococci is Streptococcus pyogenes. So strep pyogenes contain multiple virulence factors, you know, streptolysins, toxins that can lyse cells and protein, which protects them from the immune system. Hyaluronidase, which is an enzyme that breaks hyaluronic acid, so that allows it to break down the um, collagen or connective tissue. So what are the, some of the conditions caused in the skin by streptococci? Please note that streptococci cause many other diseases too. So cellulitis. Cellulitis is an infection that is present 
not in the epidermis but underneath the dermis or the hypodermis and cellulitis if it's not controlled it can spread through the connective tissue and cause very serious um, effects such as basically infection of the fascia and basically it, the, the tissue the connective tissue becomes kind of liquid it necrotizes and then when we talk about necrotizing fasciitis so, you know this is what we call one example flesh-eating bacteria other um, manifestation we have erysipelas which are kind of larger or areas of the skin that become very red and inflamed and erythema nodosum so again, streptococci and particularly strep pyogenes can cause very serious um, skin conditions. Um, we have talked about pseudomonas before, particularly pseudomonas aeruginosa. That's a gram-negative rod and it has a very typical green color. Pseudomonas is an opportunistic um, agent or an opportunistic pathogen of the skin because it's um, it usually doesn't cause any issues if the skin is unbroken but if there are you know wounds or burns then the um, uh, pseudomonas can enter the skin and can cause very serious infection and one of the issues with pseudomonas is that's uh, very resistant to antibiotics so um, very uh, extensive pseudomonas infections can be found in, so I will say, burn patient, but minor, but still unpleasant uh, examples. Also, the hot tub rash. So that's one of the reasons why, if you have a wound or a tattoo, piercing, etc., you're not supposed to get in a hot tub or go to the ocean because it can be a way for microbes to enter. I also have to talk about acne. So acne, which is, um, you know, connected to hormones and very common in teenagers, is caused by hair follicles that get clawed, clogged. And then you have this accumulation of sebum inside. And if it gets infected by bacteria, then you can get acne. So the main culprit here is a bacterium called Propionibacterium acnes, which is a gram-positive non-spore former anaerobic bacterium. Anthrax. So anthrax is caused by bacillus anthracis, and bacillus anthracis is gram-positive rod, aerobic, spore-forming. Anthrax can enter the body different ways, but it can enter through the skin. Um, and not the unbroken skin, there has to be abrasions. And uh, B. anthracis is a zoonotic bacterium, so it's, uh, it's often present in animals such as sheep, goat, and cattle. So people working close to such animals may have risk to cutaneous, so skin anthrax, and when anthrax enters through the skin, there is going to be a very uh, typical, very dark, almost black sore. And if it penetrates, you know, deeper, then those presence of 
toxins by the bacillus can cause sepsis, septicemia, and very serious um, disease. So among bacterial diseases or infections of the eyes, so remember conjunctivitis is the inflammation of a conjunctiva, and that's the most common eye infection. So among the bacteria, the most common culprit is Haemophilus influenza. This is a gram-negative rod, and although the name has influenza, it is a bacterium. It has nothing to do with the flu virus. Um, it usually manifests with a, um, you know, kind of yellowish discharge. It's very contagious, but it can be resolved in a few days. Other bacterial eye infections include ophthalmia neonatorum, so neonatorum neonate. So this would be an eye infection that is acquired during birth. So if the mother is infected, the baby can catch it while passing the birth canal. The uh, culprit is Neisseria gonorrhea. So again, it uh, can be the case if the mother has gonorrhea, but it can be prevented by using antibiotic drops when the baby is born. Then we have chlamydia uh, caused diseases. So chlamydia together, and um, so chlamydia is spelled C-H-L-A-M-Y-D-I-A, chlamydia, together with another group called the rickettsias are very interesting bacteria. So they are obligate intracellular bacteria. And this obligate intracellular, we usually apply this to viruses. Well, these are very small bacteria. They are not viruses, but they need to be inside cells in order to reproduce. So chlamydia can cause inclusion conjunctivitis and also trachoma, which is a leading cause of blindness in the developing world. Okay, so these were the uh, bacterial diseases of skin and eyes, and with this we are moving to viral diseases of the skin. Now, something interesting to note is that many of these viral diseases that have skin manifestation are actually transmitted via the respiratory route. Not all of them, but some of them. So the fact that the manifestations are on the skin doesn't mean that they are transmitted by direct contact to the skin. That can be <clears throat> other ways. So I'm going to talk about the, uh, the, the disease or infection name and then the viral group that causes this. So warts. Um, warts tend to be pretty benign growth on the skin and they are caused by papilloma viruses. Then we have pox diseases. So that would include smallpox and some um, less aggressive ones. So recent, you, you may re recall from the beginning of the class, we talked about um, cowpox, which was a mild pox disease that was used in that very, very first vaccination experiment against smallpox. And recently, we, there was a number of cases of monkeypox. So all these diseases are caused by pox viruses. 
and particularly smallpox, the vaccine has been around for a long, long time, and it has been so effective that smallpox is considered eradicated in the world, although, you know, we don't know if it may reappear at some point. Then we have the group of herpes viruses, which can cause a number of skin conditions. Among them, we have varicella zoster, a virus which causes chickenpox. And after the infection, the virus remains latent in the host and at much later age, it can cause shingles. Then we have the HSV viruses. So these are the herpes simplex viruses. The type one is that causes cold sores and type two causes genital herpes. And these viruses also just like chickenpox, remain latent in the host and they can become activated and have a flare-up. You may remember we talked about viruses, we talked a lot about the lytic and the lysogenic cycles so or how some viruses could be inserted into the genetic material of the host, the DNA of the host, and just be there. And then for some kind of stressor or... Um, you know, UV light or minor other infection, they could get activated and then cause a flare-up of the disease. Um, then we have some examples of the uh, respiratory viruses that cause skin manifestations. So among them, we have measles um, called by rubiola and then rubella, which is called German measles. Um, fifth disease, which um, it's one of those that can be transmitted or transferred through the placenta. It's caused by the parvovirus and uh, uh, let's say Latin name is erythema infectiosum. And roseola is another of these skin diseases and tends to be a much minor, much less uh, um, aggressive. Uh, disease. Moving on to viral diseases of the eye, there are uh, adenoviruses that can cause viral conjunctivitis. So compared to the bacteria, the discharge in the viral pink eye tends to be more watery. And HSV1, that's the one that causes cold sores, can spread to the eyes and then it causes what's called herpes keratitis. So let's now go to fungi. So you may recall that fungal infections are called mycosis. So looking at cutaneous mycosis, um, there is a group of fungi called dermatophytes, and they cause this group of um, cutaneous mycosis called tineas. So this is going to include the ringworm that, you know, it has a worm in the name, but it's, it's, a fun, it's a fungal infection, athlete's foot, and so on. So different types of these dermatophytes are going to infect, you know, the hair, the skin, the nails, and so on. We have next cutaneous aspergillosis. So the mold aspergillus, which is very common, 
um, can cause primary and secondary aspergillosis. And the primary means that it's going to enter through the skin, through the break in the skin. And this can happen sometimes in a hospital. It's not super common, but it can happen. And the most common um, uh, transmission way is through the respiratory way. And something that we are going to see regularly when we talk about mycosis is that because fungi and molds are very common parts of the environment, most people have been exposed to their spores and, you know, to those cells, but um, it tends to be dangerous for immune-compromised individuals. So that may mean people who have, um, you know, elderly patients, patients that have, are immune-compromised either because they are taking medications that depress the immunity or they are immune-deficient. Um, because they are born immune deficient. Or they may have, for example, AIDS, which is an acquired immune deficiency. So again, most of these mycosis fungal infections are going to be more dangerous for immune compromised individuals. And that is the case also of cutaneous aspergillosis. Candida is a very nasty uh, fungus. It's one of those called dimorphic fungi that in at colder temperatures, so that would be more in the environment, they tend to grow in filaments, but once they enter the body, which is warmer, they have a yeast-like appearance, which allows them to spread more easily. So candida causes uh, mycosis in a number of different locations of the body. But in the case of the cutaneous candidiasis, we are it's called intertrigo when it happens in a skin fold. And also you can have candidiasis in on the nails. Another um, fungal infection is called sporotrichosis. So sporotrichosis is a subcutaneous mycosis. And uh, it's also called the rose gardener disease in the and why rose gardener because roses have thorns so sporo the sporotrix shanky that's the name of the fungus can penetrate through a small wound so again it is um it is it has been observed in gardeners who have to deal with thorns and then this the sporotrix fungus um, through the wound can reach the lymphatic system and cause, you know, more widespread infections. So two cases of parasitic infections, acanthamoeba, so I'm going to spell it A-C-A-N-T-H-A-M-O-E-B-A. -A -E so this is an amoeba, a protozoan, so this is a free-living protozoan, which is common in soils and unchlorinated bodies of fresh water. Um, if it, you know, affecting the eye, it can infect the cornea, causing keratitis, and in a severe case, can cause blindness. Um, and then an example of helminth is loa loa, which is the African eye worm. So this is a small, tiny 
white worm that can live in subcutaneous tissue, but it can also enter the eye. And, you know, if you go to YouTube, you can find, so search for loa loa and eyes, and you can see some examples of, uh, you know, eyeballs that you can see uh, the, the worm inside, but it can be removed. You know, you have to make a cut and extract it. So loa loa has a um, complex life cycle, which includes fly, uh, from a genus Chrysops that has to take a body, sorry, a blood a meal from the person and then it spends some time in the human and then eventually, you know, is released and completes the life cycle. So as always, if you go to your, um, uh, to your textbooks, there are very nice tables to summarize the information. So hope that this was useful about skin infections and thank you.